right, welcome back to season three of the Donate Podcast. Uh, on this episode, we had the pleasure of talking to Darren Earlywine of Blackbird Mission. And Darren truly does it all. You'll find out. Uh, Darren is a passionate, catalytic, influential, and captivating dreamer. He serves as a pastor, speaker, podcast host, and entrepreneur. Darren's mission is to help people find passion, purpose, and peace. In 2009, Darren created Pub Theology to bring conversations about faith back into everyday spaces and places of life. In 2016, he then started Radio Theology, a weekly radio show on WZPL 99.5 in Indianapolis. And most recently, the Darren Earlywine podcast was launched to share stories of diverse people living out their calling. Darren has also helped more than 3,500 individuals move from feeling insignificant to understanding their worth and creating their future through his online and live workshop called Spiritual DNA. Ultimately, Darren's favorite role has been being married to Julie for 19 years and being Cole, Ty, and Knox's dad. I am not kidding when I say this conversation was captivating to be a part of. We really, really hope that you find it half as inspirational and enjoyable as we did. We think you will. And um, as always, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Donate Podcast so you never miss an episode. Happy listening. All right. Hello and welcome back to the Donate Podcast. Um, for everybody listening, we're really excited to have Darren Earlywine on with Blackbird Mission. Um, he has a lot of really cool ministries under that full mission that he will, I'm sure, talk about today. And I'm really excited to have him on and have him just, just kind of share what he's doing with that. Um, and without further ado, I'll let Steve kick us off um, with you know the first question and we'll get the conversation started. Yeah. Thank good? you again for coming in. Absolutely. Yes. I'm so. stoked to be with you and uh, love what you guys are doing and uh, just glad to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. We had some good conversation before, so I wanted to get you on the mic and see if we can help get your mission out there. So awesome. I know we talked about it a little bit, but I want to dive into the first thing that kind of caught my eye mm-hmm. when I was going through your site, even before our first conversation, I think, um, was the, and I want to get the, the pub theology. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's because I enjoy beer or, you know, those two things. The tagline works well, right? Faith, of love, and beer. It's like, yeah. wait a second, I, I, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about that. Was that just, a, you know, a, a pure marketing play of, you know, helping bring faith to where, you know, people are. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I'll try to make the story short, um, but the the kind of the, the genesis of the idea, I guess, early, early on was uh, growing up, I wanted to be uh, a rock star. I wanted to be a drummer. I was a drummer and I wanted to be in band and travel the world. And so uh, through college, that was my pursuit of my life. Uh, we started doing that. We did uh, two nationwide tours, put out a, you know, a, a self um, released album and we're pursuing that and, and part of our um, our plan I, mean, I guess our, our method to our madness was we would do a lot of camps and conferences for kids we'd play at churches we were a band of, of Christians yeah. but we played a lot of bars yeah. And so uh, we, we played, I mean, you know, out in L.A., we played bars on the Sunset Strip. We played the whiskey. We played, at that point, there was one called Christian the Coconut. Christian music in the bars? Well, yeah. I mean, it was it was our 
our music. So it had faith to it. I mean, it wasn't like every song was like Jesus, 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 you right, know, yeah, but okay. it was songs written from a, you know, a Christian perspective, but we didn't, you know, get up there and be like, you know, what's up whiskey? You know what I mean? <laughs> this one's about Jesus, you know? <laughs> um, so we just played, but, but it was a blast. We played, you know, bars, I mean, from Detroit to Phoenix, Arizona, Kansas city, LA. And what we saw in the, in the, in those times, I mean, like we played at the whiskey and got done that night and, you know, talking to the sound man and some of the people at the bar and they were like, were you guys like, like singing about Jesus and stuff, you know? And then all of a sudden we're having phenomenal conversations yeah. uh, with people. Uh, there was one night we played a bar in um, Detroit called the old Miami, which I don't know why it was called old Miami in Detroit, but it was. Okay. And, um, it was the sketchiest bar situation I've ever been in. We were all like, I mean, we, I don't even know if we were, I think we were 21. I don't think we had to lie to get into the bars, <laughs> but so we're 21. Right. And uh, I grew up in, what's funny is I grew up in the Wesleyan denomination, which is a like teetotaling, no alcohol yep. denomination. So I didn't grow up going to bars, didn't grow up around alcohol. So it was just kind of a, you know, we were getting educated in just bar culture. We pull up to the old Miami and they're like, uh, hey, you need to park your van and trailer in the cage. And we're like, there's there's a cage? And they're, they're like, yeah, if you want your van and trailer to be here when you're done, like, <laughs> you need to park it in the cage. Right. So... It was crazy, man. We set up in there and we, uh, there was two other bands, I think on the, on the bill that night. And what we began to notice was weird is it was a very bad neighborhood area in, in, in Detroit. And, but it was weird because as we're playing about every 10, 15 minutes, like dudes in like suits or like shirts and ties would come in and they'd talk to some people at the bar and then they would leave or whatever. And so as we start paying attention, we're like, oh, like these guys are buying drugs and yeah. like, and so like, we, 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 so like we find ourselves in this, you know, pit kind of bar drugs everywhere and whatever we play our set when we get done. And once again, the sound man, one, a couple of the regulars at the bar and then the other bands that played, like all of a sudden we're having this just really cool conversation about faith. And so we did that in college and then, I left, uh, there's a whole story between around that kind of dream dying. And then, um, I started a church actually planted a church called the crux. And I led that for eight years and about year six, I kind of had a freak out moment for me where I realized I didn't have any influential relationships with anybody that didn't know Jesus. And for me, that was a problem of like, my life has become just completely insulated by church stuff, church people, church, church, church. And so kind of had a freak out moment where I was like, I got to figure out a way to get back and just engage with real people. And um, so long story short, many of the guys that was in the college band with were on staff with me at, at the church. We started dreaming about, could we put the band back together and, and start doing some kind of outreach stuff? And um, I went on a missions trip to Bosnia actually to rebuild classrooms. But while we were over there, we went to, we would build classrooms in the day and then at night we'd go to these coffee shops uh, and the coffee shops over there became bars once they closed. So on the Friday night there, we were hanging out with the missionaries and they were like, hey, do you want to kind of experience the culture of, of uh, I'm trying to remember the town that we we're in, leave no Bosnia. And so we're like, yeah. So we go down to this, this coffee shop, comes a bar at midnight, it closes and everybody goes to this dance club and we go in it and Bosnians, I don't know, this was, you know, many years ago, but they loved to smoke back in those days. I mean, yeah. it was the smokiest room I've ever been in in my life. And so, but it was weird because I was like, we're in this little town. I'd never been overseas before. We're in this little town in Bosnia. And the same thing is happening here that happens in 
every major city in America. Like, here's all of these, you know, 20 somethings, 30 somethings that are packing this bar out. And I'm like, if you could find a way to own the room, you could really make an impact on people, you know? So we came back and I was like, when's the last time I've seen somebody own a room that's, you know, kind of a, an away game, if you will, for faith. And it brought me back to those, those years in the band. And I was like, dude, you give me a, a band and a nice PA, like we own the room, you know? And so uh, we just started experimenting. We are there's a bar right down the street from where we're recording this actually called Joe's Grill. And we started to, uh, gigging at Joe's Grill and yeah. so we would we had to work for a while to get good enough to, to play and uh, started gigging and then we kind of started experimenting with between the last two songs I'd get up and do uh, what I called the thought of the night which is basically just like a three minute sermon you know uh, about faith or hope or love or forgiveness or you know and uh, people responded to it they liked it and so we did that for about six months and then the, we sat down with the bar uh, the GM we were like hey we got this crazy idea we want to do called pub theology and we'll do what we do we'll do the you know we'll do our gig but uh you know we'd love to bring a charity in raise some money for charity uh open the open the uh, the bar up to text q a where people have questions about faith hope love god whatever they can text me and i'll try to answer their questions and um and he was you know wasn't a believer but he was uh there's another long story to, to what happened there but he let us try it for like a three-month period, and uh, that was 10 years ago. And so we, nice. um, it grew from there. At one point, kind of during its heyday, we were doing a pub theology event every week somewhere in the city. Yeah. We had uh, you know four or five bars that we would go to every month. And uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of how it started, and, and it's had a few iterations over the past decade. But uh, the name just came from, we were like, what's this about? I'm like, well, faith, hope, love, and beer. And the church people that I was around at that point, they didn't like... They were kind of like you can't, you can't put up posters in the church to say faith, hope, love, and beer. You know, what I mean, you yeah. can't put those four <laughs> words together. Well, I was like, no, we need to because I said what's what's happening is at the bar when people go to the bathroom and they see the poster, they have the same exact reaction that you do, but for a different reason. Yep. Like they read it and they go faith, hope, love, and beer. Well, you can't. That can't be together. But it's not like they felt like it was disrespecting you know, beer or disrespecting faith, hope, and love. But they yeah. were the, the the intrigue of it was like, wow maybe could those still be a part of my life and so um that was the heart behind it and it's been a, it's been a pretty fun decade but so, so that's an awesome story and you know the journey on how to get there and you make a good point at you know talking about even that poster and i grew up in the catholic faith okay. uh, catholic church and anybody who knows the catholic church knows that beer is not you know removed from posters right yeah yeah you, know, and you guys are beer friendly right yeah, there you go we're beer friendly and the thing i look at it when as i got married you know my wife uh she didn't grow up catholic you know non-denominational mm-hmm. you know faith-based individual mm-hmm. so now i go to, to the catholic church when i can right non-denominational anywhere you know here right heartland um and it's simply because I wanted her to get a lot from it as well. And yeah. I was going to get something regardless of where I go. Sure. But one thing that I found in certain you know, church organizations, if they don't act like real people, mm-hmm. like everyday people, yeah. it's uncomfortable for some people like me coming in. It's like, I always thought like, well, you... Like they're the the fake Christian. They're, you're too good. Mm-hmm. Like real people aren't that good. Like <laughs> you know. So, but here's the thing that when you talk to people, oh yeah, we, you know, let's go grab a beer. I'm like, you drink? I didn't think you drank because everybody puts up this yeah. perfect perception when they right. come. Right. When I grew up, it's like, 
oh no, after after mass, we're going to have this massive picnic. Right. And so it kind of, you let your guard down and you were okay with being you mm-hmm. and a human. Yeah. You know? And what I think so, is interesting is to say that, you know, it's, it, I think, and maybe you could maybe draw the line between Protestant and, and Catholic, that, that's a very distinct line. But I think the, the tough part about it is people have taken, um, issues that that really Jesus never taught about that he didn't say these are the things that make you good or not good right these yeah. external things and we've said these external things are, are what make you a good person right right so it's like well I don't smoke drink or chew you know or date girls that do so you know no art rated movies you know I don't dance really you know what I mean so probably you know pretty good Christian it's like no, you just don't drink, smoke, and chew, or date girls that do, and maybe right. you don't dance like that. That like you don't read the Bible, and Jesus is like, hey, you know, really, when I'm I came here to die for people to not drink and chew and smoke, right? Right. Yeah. These are externals that somehow we've placed on, and and it is. And one of the things I think happens in church culture is it's easy to to, to spot that. Yeah. Right. Now here's my ex my external things that I can use as a measuring stick to figure out if I'm spiritual or or holy or not. Yep. Um. But they don't they don't have really don't have any correlation to what's going on in somebody's heart. Yep. And so, yeah, that was, um, it, it's funny you say that they're not real people. What's funny is I am, um, what started this journey is I was like, dude, I got to start connecting with real people again. So my neighbor, uh, he worked at, uh, he worked at Galleons here in town before it was Dick's. Oh, yeah, you know? I remember. And uh, he played baseball at IU, great guy, loved the Cubs. And he would get, he worked the morning shift. So most afternoons he would get home and he'd crack open a middle of the line and watch Cubs games, you know, in his, in his garage. And I started connecting with him whenever I'd come over and, and I hadn't told him I was a pastor yet. Cause for me, it's like, once I tell somebody I'm a pastor, yeah. like I, they're not going to be my friend. Right. Yeah. Or they're just going <laughs> to lie to me all the time. Right. 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 So, uh, he's like, Hey, grab a beer or whatever. And at this point I, I didn't drink and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm good. I mean, it's, you know, it's two, you know I mean? Diet Coke or whatever. And so I'm trying to hang out and watch the Cubs. I'm a huge Cubs fan. Like yeah. this is not hard to do. Hang out with your neighbor watch Cubs game. Yeah. Well, it was awkward and like, just I felt weird. So I come over to my wife and I'm like, babe, I'm like, it's really tough hanging out with Chad. It was just weird, whatever. And, and you're married. So you understand yeah. how sometimes your wife can be really honest, but not compassionate, yeah. but always right. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes, of course. she goes, well, that's cause you're not a real person anymore. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm not a real person anymore. She's like, she's like, Darren, you become like a cartoon character of yourself. She was like, unless you're, at church, doing church, talking to church people, being pastor Darren, you don't know how to be a real person. That's why you can't hang out and talk to him. And I wanted to be mad, like, no, I'm, but I knew it was right. Yeah. Like that was part of what had happened to me is I was trying so hard outwardly to be what people wanted me to be or what I thought I needed to be. Like I lost the ability to just literally relate to my neighbor. Yep. And, um, and I think there's a lot of, you know, and maybe in, you know, I don't want to just pick on, Christians, I am one. Uh, that's in our our world and in our you know subculture, if you will, or whatever. But I'm sure there are other you know circles where people have you know these outside kind of things that they want to they you know want to make sure they're okay with everyone that's in their clique. And before you know it, they don't know how to relate to people outside of that circle. No, I 100 percent agree. I mean, I went through a stage where, and I still do it today, um, because I'm so ingrained with business and tech right now. Yeah. That. That's what my life is. Yeah. Uh, outside of my kids, sure. You know, and so there are times that I literally go to ESPN and start reading stuff just for those moments, and sure. I'm like, you know, I do want to make sure. I mean, I was, you know, there were times I was at my brother's house this weekend, you know, for the race, he yeah. has race parties, 
And it's like I study so that I can make sure that I can interact and relate with everybody. And I'm not the guy that either A, you know, gets on a tangent that everybody else is like, dude, we have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Or, you know, I sit there and I have nothing to contribute. And so I'm with you. It's not just, you know, but I I laugh. A good friend of mine is a pastor as well. And, you know, I'm working more and more to remember, hey, it's okay to invite him for a beer or it's okay to invite him over for, you know, activities. Yeah. I mean, he's genuinely my friend. Right. Uh, but to your point, you know, a wall goes up. It's like, oh, you're passionate. Uh, okay. Right. And then they kind of yeah. find their way out of the conversation. Yeah. It's like, oh, pastor, you don't drink. Don't, ain't nobody cuss. You know what I mean? And they always <laughs> apologize to you. And it's, it's like, and I guess it's like, I, I get the, the the thought of being respectful, but it's like, that's a part of this journey of pup theology and, and everything we're doing with Blackbird is that like trying to help people understand that like, those aren't the things that connect you to God. And more than that, like there's so much more to becoming who God's created you to be than, than these out, you know, outside external type of situations. And for me trying to actually discover like who I actually am and what it means to be not just a a real person, but exactly who God's created me to be and how do I show up, uh, you know, in my relationships in a way that is best for others is best for me. And, 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 you know, it honors God. So it's, it's, it's an interesting journey, that's for sure. Yeah. I want to say, too, sorry, real quick no, to cut in, that good. as funny as it sounds, drinking was healing for me because I went to a private Christian university. Okay. You could not drink. Yeah. Even if you were 21, even if you were drinking with your parents, you could get kicked out. Yeah. And so it became, and I, I didn't grow up with that those strict rules, right. but like it became this, like... Crazy taboo, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it was almost... Um, like unconscious, like I, I, it was a thing that it was just a part of my life for four years and became this taboo thing. And after college, when I graduated, I started hanging out in a small group for house church and every single person there drank beer and would, we would go hang out at bars. And it was finally like those conversations that I had there drinking a beer. And I, I mean, I drank in college even though I wasn't supposed to, but, um, it was one of those things of like, oh, like people are real. Like you don't have to hide who you are. Mm-hmm. You're not a bad person just because you have a drink or you cuss a couple times or whatever. So I love that you guys are doing that and put mm-hmm. beer. I, that is the first thing that caught my eye because I think that can be really restorative and healing for people. And yeah, I think it was a. I think I'm saying this quote right, but uh, I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said, "Beer is proof that God loves us," <laughs> which is kind of a funny quote. But you know, saying it's, it's, and we're not trying to glorify alcohol. Like alcohol can yeah. be amazingly destructive. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely! Know? Yeah. But the thing is, it's like everything, everything can be really destructive. Yep. Yeah. And like that's the kind of conversation I want to be able to have with people of like, hey, what's going on inside of you that's causing you to abuse certain things? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That that is taking away your ability to be fully who God's created you to be. Mm-hmm. Like, let's have that conversation. Let's talk about what moderation looks like. Let's talk about what living the best life we possibly can looks yep. like. Instead of just saying, hey, I've got these three things that I'm going to put on lockdown, but I'm actually never going to address what's really going on, you know, in my heart. And that's the thing. It's like growing up, I would see, you know, church leaders who it's like, you know, they would get up and, and, and rail against, you know, smoking or drinking and they were, you know, 400 pounds, you know what I mean? And then you find out that, you know, they're abusing children or whatever that's happening. It's like, and you've got a lot of stuff going on under the surface there, yep. but you've got these three or four things that you've camped out on and you hold those up as like, 
I'm really spiritually matured. It's like, well, actually, no, you may be unbelievably spiritually weak and immature. Yeah. You just picked a couple of these things out. So there's yeah. um, biblically, biblically, it's a tough word to say. No, no, they, they know their scripture, <laughs> yeah. but they actually don't practice. Yeah. 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 No, I'm with you. I mean, that's why, you know, and I want to ask a specific question here in a second, but it goes back to, you know, connecting, right? There's, there's so many men, you know, in the Catholic faith, it's like, okay, they listen to a priest talk about various things. It's like, man, you, you don't understand. Yeah. And then you go to non-denominational churches, it's like, okay, he has a family. Mm. He can talk about, and then it goes to another level. It's like, okay, if you are blessed to have a pastor that, you know, is like you, even okay with, and you know, whether it's beer or going out for pizza or wings or, mm. you know, plays on a softball team, something yeah. that takes it to a whole nother level of intimacy. Yeah. To me, that's where the game changes. Yeah. And so my question for you is going down your mission you have the audience, you've piqued their interest. What happens next? How do you continue to further that mission of engagement, conversation? Yeah. Do you create like small groups? Like what, what's that yeah. look like? So some of it we'll have to talk about will be in somewhat past tense because like I said, Pup Theology has been around for about 10 years and right. for the first probably five, six years of Black Mission, it was our only uh, our only ministry. Right. We had that, and then I was um, still creating the spiritual DNA as a live workshop and uh, as an online course. Um, but Pub was 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 our main kind of flagship ministry, and so at that point, yeah, we would have um, I disciple some leaders that were were kind of like Pub theology, uh, like Pub shepherds, if you will, where they would come in and we would do like on Thursday nights. Usually, that they were usually Thursday nights event would be when we'd have you know, pub theology, the kind of the Indies yeah. best party with a purpose, we call it. Yeah. Then we'd invite people back that following Monday to an event. We've called it a couple of different things through the years. We called it Holy Happy Hour. We called it, um, what do we call it? Cocktails and Conversation. One time we some for a while, we called it The Invitation. And so our team of people that served with us, they were, their job was to get in conversations with people and have casual conversations that might turn into a meaningful conversation that might turn into an invitational conversation. So it wasn't like, go, you know, go shove Jesus on anyone, but hang out, have a drink, talk to people, ask them about the band. Like when we would do, you know, the events, we had, you know, games and, you know, bar games we would play and, you know, trivia and different stuff to get people engaged, tons of giveaways. I mean, uh, um, so there was a real interactive vibe with it. But so we wanted to build those connections, invite them back to the invitation or whatever we call the Holy Happy Hour, where we would do oftentimes just do a real like, um, maybe we'd jump into a basic Jesus story and say, hey, what does this story teach you about people? What's this teach you about God? What's it teach you about yourself? And and open to conversations, or we might bring in a conversation that based off maybe the charity that we had that night before. And so we allowed people to come into a kind of a non, you know, live music, loud party setting and just ask questions and build relationships that way. And then from that, uh, we would, you know, either get them connected to one of the local churches that we were, you know, partnering with, or maybe the, maybe the pub shepherd was connected to a church and would invite them in. Um, we did that. That was the basic structure. And then, uh, after a couple of years, we started doing something where every, uh, month we'd have an event called the celebration, which was basically like a church service. We would host somewhere around town. We do it on like the region's rooftop downtown. Um, we've done it at Moe's Irish pub before, uh, you know, when they had their St. Patty's day, big tent parties, they'd let us use the tent that Sunday and we'd have yeah. it. So we try to help people that we meet in the bar, get into a small group kind of discussion guide, 
possibly find a church or be able to come to uh, the celebration as maybe that that being their church. Yep. So we did that, like I said, for years and years and years. And then um, that opened an opportunity to start doing radio theology, which was the radio show that I hosted for three and a half years on ZPL here locally. Yep. Um, and as as the radio show became more of our focus, a lot of what we were doing with that much follow up with pub kind of started to shift. And so, but during its, I guess I could say heyday, that that was the structure that we had around it. Yeah. So radio, COVID kind of changed that game for you. It ended in a one phone call. Yeah. So what's what's on the, the docket now? Yeah, so basically, uh, like I said, three and a half years ago, I mean, before that, I had a crazy connection with Dave Smiley from the Smiley Morning Show. If people are in India, they'll know yeah. the Smiley Morning Show. But um, I was actually going to drop my oldest son, who's now almost 17 years old, off at kindergarten. And uh, Dave was doing a, a remote up in Noblesville. He dropped your oldest son. This oh, is how back then. Yes, this is how okay, many years ago like, this was. Yeah, he's seventeen. A seventeen-year-old yeah. in kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is what is it? Happy Gilmore. Yeah, happy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's almost <laughs> Happy Gilmore. No, when he was, yeah, this was so it was many years ago. Uh, I was taking him to kindergarten, and, and Dave was doing a remote up at. Uh, best bet breakfast place up in Noblesville. And I was like, dude, that's right around the corner from my house. And I looked down and I had a pub theology flyer in my car. So I was like, I'm going to give this to Smiley. And uh, and I knew he was a pastor's kid whenever, so I thought maybe he would think it's interesting. So I came in and uh, with the flyer and uh, the hostess was like, oh, does, uh, you know, does he want to meet Dave? And I was like, well, actually, I, was like, well, I just came to give him this flyer. And she was like, have your kid do it. And I was like, that's genius. <laughs> and so, you know, Cole, my, my oldest son, he walks over to Dave and he's like, you know, handing Dave the, the and Dave's like, oh, hey, buddy. He's like, you want an autograph? And I was like, no, I was like, that's just, that's for you. And Dave grabbed the flyer and he was like, faith, hope, love, and beer. He was like, this sounds like a church for me. He's like, sit down, man, let me interview you. And so we had a you know live interview and then Dave ends up showing up at the next Pub Theology and we, we you know, strike up a friendship. And a couple years after that, he started having me on to do Therapy Thursday on his show. And then fast forward another probably three years of me doing Therapy Thursday. And then the program director came to me and said, hey, like, I like what you have to say and, and, and I like what you do with the, with the bar ministry. So, you know, would you want to ever host your own show? And I was like uh yeah and so um yeah we started radio theology in october uh like four years ago and uh didn't know if it would last you know six weeks or six months whatever yeah. and three and a half years uh of doing we had a there's a three-hour show every sunday morning and the station gave us you know freedom to talk about whatever we wanted. So we talked about, we made the tagline for it was faithful, love and music. We talked about our lives and how, you know, faith and worked into it and finding purpose in your life and meaning. And the idea was just try to reach people all over central Indiana. And it was growing. It was great. I thought we were going to, uh, we were real close to, to working on getting a syndicated deal. And, and my thought was, man, you know, God had led us into reaching people, you know, in, in, in the bars. It was kind of like an insulated environment, you know, but we're going to take everything that we learned about how to, connect with people, real people in a bar and let's do it on the radio. And I thought, man, this is going to grow and my life's going to be, you know, radio across the nation and then global pandemic. And they're like, Hey, everybody's getting, you know, furloughed for 90 days. And then the 90 days came and went and it was like, yeah, we don't know. And so, um, you know, a lot of prayer trying to figure out what, what, where we're supposed to take the ministry, what we're supposed to do. And it was actually a really kind of, I guess, cool journey of realizing that um, 
it, it made me edit down to what is it that I really want want to be about. And so from that, um, we rebranded our podcast. We had a podcast for a couple of years at that point that was called uh, the Born to Be podcast, where we just talked about helping people discover their life's, their life's purpose. And we had shifted that during the radio theology years. And, and then we changed it to the radio theology podcast to try to you know help people take those next steps spiritually. And then once that was gone, uh, we shifted it and, and now it's called the Darren Early Wine podcast. And that's been you know, one of the main focuses over the past year since the, you know, quarantine is uh, creating that weekly content to hopefully ferry over that radio, uh, you know, audience and still be able to make an impact in their life. But, um, but that was tough. You know, when you, when you have a, a dream die, uh, it's, it's tough to, to figure out where your identity is in that and, and, you know, where you're at and, and what God's doing and what you want to do. And so, yeah, that was don't a, always align at the same time. <laughs> oftentimes they don't. Yeah, oftentimes they don't. And so, yeah, launch the podcast. It's growing. I love it. Um, you know, each each week release our episode and remind people of three things that God's formed, not against them. He's near them, not far away, and that he's created on purpose and for a purpose. And so I uh, try to awaken people to that reality and help them step into to becoming who they were born to be. And so, um, but yeah, so we got the podcast going and then I'm uh, working on authoring a book right now that will come out hopefully next year nice. uh, called The Death of a Dream. And it's just going to be a little bit of my story in life, uh, but kind of pulling everybody's story in. I think you know, never really meet anybody that hasn't had some kind of dream or aspiration in their life die. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we get stuck there and we, we stop dreaming. And so um, the book's going to be about helping people discover that. And then um, we've just, in the next couple of months, are going to relaunch uh, Spiritual DNA. And it's going to be our 2.0 version. And we've just, so it's an online course and a live workshop that helps people discover who God's created them to be so they can live with peace and passion and purpose. Nice. I like it. So that's everything now. It started as pub theology. Now it's all that. That's the journey. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's a, it makes sense, right? I mean, it's still, I know you said, it, you know, your dream dying. I mean, I guess from the being a, a musician, musician, can't talk to you that today. But I mean, I, I just, to me, it sounds like it's just the next step in the journey of doing what you really sought out to do in the bars. Yeah. It just looks different. <laughs> It is, and that and that's a part that has given me kind of comfort through it, and that's why I'm so passionate about helping people discover who God's created them to be. Because it is, it's like pub theology came into existence because I was trying to be who God created me to be. I just didn't have language for it, so I felt like I was a rebel, and I felt like I was breaking rules and whatever. And what what now I've you know. As through developing spiritual DNA, I realized no, 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 God's created me to be more of a pioneer entrepreneur. And I'm not a rebel, right? But but I'm kind of a rogue. And I actually have strengths and abilities and a personality and talents and giftings that actually make me good at that. And so much of the angst I felt through that process was was feeling like I didn't fit in life and I didn't make sense. And after I came to, to discover everything I, that I put into spiritual DNA, I was like, this actually totally makes sense. And so as we as the different iterations of, of life has happened, I do feel like it's been a process of God just kind of editing down my life of being like, yeah. this is what you've always at your core been about. Here's what it looked like at a bar. Here's what it looked like on radio. And now I feel like this kind of next season of my life is, is I really want to spend time helping other people not waste 
you know, 10, 15, 20, or a whole life yep. being someone else, being somebody their parents want them to be, being what, what, what culture tells them to be. Yeah. Um, but to actually discover that, listen, you, you make sense. And when you start to understand that, it's amazing how, uh, how enjoyable life gets. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I forget what I was watching. Um, you know, I've been going back to the roots of my old, you know, studies and people that I follow, whether it's Tony Robbins, you know, and individuals like that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I forget who I was watching an interview with and they were talking about that one of the best moments in their life was when they accepted their flaws. Hmm. Yeah. Or they weren't trying so hard to work and change and fix them. Yeah. It was accept them, yeah. identify them, yeah. but focus on your strengths. Yeah. And to me, every time I've looked at, you know, what is my purpose or, you know, why not, what, what does God have in store for me? Yeah. It's, I, it's so easy to say, oh, I think it's this, but I don't know because I have this baggage. Right. And this baggage is going to stop me from what I think it could be. Mm-hmm. So you just don't take that step. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. If you read through the Bible, everybody had baggage. Oh, yeah. You know, there was and one guy so, that made it out, yeah. made it out, uh, you know, without that completely right. screwing it all up. And, it, yeah. and he was God. So, yeah. <laughs> and the people with baggage were picked. Right. Yeah. And so. No, I, I, I like what you're doing. Um, I mean, you already have some great sponsors behind you. So obviously it's not just, you know, us wanting to bring you on and share your mission. You know, I mean, you have a following, which I love. Um, I mean, is there anything that, anything you have coming up, anything that you'd like to promote? Uh, obviously sure. where people can find you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the best way to find me is just at DarrenEarlyWine.com. And uh, the website has... Um, you know, has the podcast. Um, it has connection to spiritual DNA, the online course. Um, we're hoping to re- the 1.0 is still out there at spiritualdna.me is the website for for the course. Um, we're going to relaunch everything. Uh, hopefully, all the video will get edited. We'll be done with all the online course. The relaunch of it by the end of July. Yeah. Um, so that's happening. Um, the website, obviously, whenever the book gets done, I'd love to, to promote it, but it, I don't know when it's going to get published, but it'll be on that same website. Right. And uh, and I'm doing, um, I speak twice a uh, twice a month still at a local church here in town called Mercy Road uh, Northeast. So it's one of their fourth churches they've started. And so I'm there twice a month if people are looking for a church home. I and mean, we'd love to have you there. If you already have one, stay where you're at. They need you. And um um, yeah, I'm speaking quite a bit right now. Um, doing, uh, I've developed an, another new thing. <laughs> I, I do a lot of new things, but that's what, that's what pioneer entrepreneurs do. Right. So, um, we're going to be working with, uh, public schools and campuses and corporations, uh, starting at the end of the summer. And I'm taking, uh, the assessments that you go through in spiritual DNA and we've renamed it and repackaged it and we're calling it the purpose paradigm. And so there'll be some, obviously, public schools and, and, and colleges that, you know, may be a little leery of, you know, spiritual DNA and, yeah. as it, you know, too Jesus-y or whatever. So um, what I'm going to try to do with the purpose paradigm and, you know, kind of what you just said, it's it's always the same thing as I'm basically trying to find a way to connect with you in a way that it's it's a pain point or some um, something on a real connection that you can kind of accidentally find your way to God. And so the purpose paradigm, what I want to do is what we maybe did with beer in the pub and we did with, with music, with radio theology is the purpose paradigm is that I want, I want to introduce people to, to 
to who God is and how much he loves them by them discovering how much they make sense and how much intention he, he actually put into creating them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are afraid of God. They think that he's going to screw their life up or that he's mad at them or that he's going to send them to hell or that he's just waiting for a moment to smite them or something. And when people start to realize like, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. When they and then they can see that, like, wow, I absolutely make sense. Like my strengths, my abilities, my personality, like my sense of calling. Like I am custom made. Like I say it every time in the podcast. I'm created on purpose and for purpose. And when you realize, like, there's no accident in that. It's like what I what I want to do with the purpose paradigm, especially with this next generation, is say, listen, like the best decision you could ever do is get connected to God because He put a lot. A lot of care in in how he created you. Yep. When so, I look at, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. When I look at, uh, just from the the one area you're just talking about, you know, my kids are six and three. Yeah, a little bit different age, but yeah, maybe you can remember. I mean, and it was even earlier when it was just my son. I mean, he can do fifty bad things, but that one moment. It erases them all. Mm-hmm. Just that random hug. Yeah. That one, Daddy, I'm sorry, yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like, all right, come on. And you yeah. just forget about everything. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's the same thing with God. Yeah. And people crucify themselves. Yeah. Um, because they don't, I don't want to use the word not worthy, but it goes back to, you know, I, I'm too far gone yeah. if you will or I yeah. have, my flaws are too bad but no I'd love to talk to you more about even some uh, the peer group stuff that you did yeah with the Donate Foundation we're launching you know faith based peer groups for mental health awesome. and underlayment kind of like you know uh, the beer uh, theology or yeah. pub theology where it's not the sole focus yeah it's the the vibe of it, yep. you know, beginning end, yep. you know, type of stuff. So I'd yep. love to connect with you on that, get some I'd love it. ideas. I'd love it. I just love connecting with help. people that are doing great yeah. things in our city and beyond because uh, you know, the synergy that we can that we can gain and, and grow together I think is huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well thank you again. And by the way, uh, are you connecting with your neighbor? Actually we he we did. He actually moved. <laughs> he moved to uh it was kinda cool is that he uh, we connected a ton and uh, and actually, he and his wife, you know, came to faith, and uh, they live up in uh, I think they live up in Marion or or Gas City, maybe now. So they moved, but uh, but it was cool to see that that process of of, of seeing faith come into their their life through. Yeah. Uh, eventually, you know, uh, eventually I did start having uh, beers with him. And that did get that did lead to me getting kicked out of the denomination that I was in. But that's that's for another podcast. <laughs> He got into heaven and I got kicked out of the denomination. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, it was a, that was a good trade. I'll take that one. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you again. I appreciate your time coming in. Hey, it's great to be a guest. I love it. I love what you guys are doing. And, and if we can find ways to continue to share resources and, and connections, yeah. uh, I'd love to. Absolutely. That's what it's about. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank yep. You so absolutely. Much. Yep.